to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association, Oklahoma. I'm Addie McCasland. This week's episode is sponsored by Public Health Institute of Oklahoma, a nonprofit dedicated to improving Oklahoma's health outcomes by facilitating statewide partnerships and providing support to community health organizations. Today, we're talking with Margaret Schaefer, presenter at one of this month's CERO Symposium breakout sessions. Margaret, also known as Maggie Schaefer, is Director of Public Policy for the Alzheimer's Association. In her current professional capacity, Maggie works with advocates to move forward state and federal policy issues to support research to find a cure for Alzheimer's disease and related dementias and improve the care and support of caregivers. Maggie has previous experience in health and mental health policy, having spent several years researching, writing, and advocating for improved access to comprehensive family-centered care. She is particularly passionate about furthering policies that support caregivers as she believes they play a crucial role in shaping the future of healthcare. We are excited both for Maggie's Zero Symposium presentation, which will cover research on the impact caregiving has on individuals, support programs available in Oklahoma, and policy implications of providing support to caregivers. And we are excited to share today's conversation with us here. The mental health download starts now. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay. My name is Maggie Schaefer. I am in all of our conference material as Margaret. I do respond to either. And so I am director of public policy for the Alzheimer's Association. I began this role at the beginning of the year. It's been a fantastic experience. I love working for this organization. I love working with my advocates, some of the most amazing advocates that I've ever had the opportunity to work with because Alzheimer's and related dementias are such unique diseases. And we'll get into this a little bit later as we kind of talk, but when somebody has a diagnosis of Alzheimer's or when they end up with a diagnosis of other types of dementia, so there's Lewy bodies, there's frontal lobe, vascular, there's a couple of different ones. It, it steals that person twice. So what happens is as the person moves through the disease, they have loss of their memories, of, their, of some of their functioning, of a lot of their abilities. And so the caregiver in that scenario loses the individual that they knew in that sense, and then they lose them a second time once death occurs. And so when I'm working with advocates, a lot of these individuals have lived that experience with their loved one and walked alongside it or been up really close and personally, either because they're a provider in some capacity or something kind of along those lines. And so they just, first of all, they provide a unique and very valuable perspective when we're talking about making policy, but they really kind of connect the policy back to why we're doing any of this. And so that's it's a little bit of a tangent, but that's why I really and really enjoyed this role because as director of public policy, I work on federal and state level policy issues. Federal level stuff is handled predominantly by our federal affairs team, but I get to work with our federal district offices across the state and our advocates get to work with those district offices too and kind of explain like, why are we championing some of the things that we are championing? And then at the state level, I am the registered lobbyist for the organization. I set our policy agenda, I do policy analysis and I participate in various work groups and that type of thing. And also get to work with advocates that like advocating at the state level, working with their state reps and senators. And then I oversee anything that has to do with advocacy field operations and a little bit of public health stuff here and there, since this is really a public health issue. I have a background in healthcare policy. I came to this role 
just kind of through the natural occurrence of ebbs and flows of my career. So I spent some time at the Department of Mental Health, spent some time at Healthy Minds Policy Initiative, had mostly done mental health policy research and analysis in my past, but healthcare more broadly. And it's something that I love and something that's very near and dear to my heart. I get up every day and get to work in a sphere where I try to make sure that we're providing the level of services that all Oklahomans need. Um, and that is really what drives me and, um, and what kind of brought me to this work. So I spent some time in nonprofits before I went back and got my master's. And this was really a career change for me. And I have loved every second of it. And that's, I spend a lot of time working. And when I'm not, I spend time in the community and trying to just kind of learn more about what's around me and where we can continue identifying gaps and bridging those gaps. I love that. So what made you choose Alzheimer's Association? Do you have ties there? Do you have experience? Not like some. So my experience has been, I I don't want to say typical, but Alzheimer's or dementia impacts a lot of people. Uh, And the likelihood that you have a loved one that will end up with a dementia diagnosis increases as they age. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so my experience with this looked like I had a great grandma that had Alzheimer's, but she lived until she was 95. And so her Alzheimer's diagnosis came when she was 90. And so she had a really good long life. And then it was non-specified dementia, but my grandma had dementia. And that was a little bit more painful because I got to watch how my dad dealt with that. And it got to where she like did not recognize her own son and that type of thing. And so it was just very, very heartbreaking towards the end. And so that, that has been my experience with it, but I have not like some of the individuals that I work with have had the opportunity to like provide in-home care. And my relatives were in long-term care facilities and memory care facilities. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. About three years ago, I lost an aunt to dementia as well. And had spent some time in a long-term care facility. Mm -hmm. And we were all really grateful for the people in there who were taking care of her because it is a scary thing to watch and it is a yes. thing to watch. So yeah, that's important work. I know th- I think you probably, t- well, I don't think you definitely touched a little bit of this in your introduction, but can you talk more broadly about what the Alzheimer's Association does? Like what your, what your mission is? Yes. So our mission is to, we're, our mission is kind of, is twofold. So mm-hmm. we want to find a cure we want to create a world where Alzheimer's is not a thing anymore, that we can find treatments, cures, so that individuals are not dealing with this, individuals are not having to care for their loved ones going through this disease. It's a terrible disease. And so, and then simultaneously, while we're working towards finding that cure, we're working to, that kind of involves advancing public policy initiatives, but then we're also working to seek to support caregivers and individuals with the disease so that they have community and a system, support system around them as they walk through this journey. What does that look like? How do you cultivate that sort of care? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we kind of do this in a variety of ways. So one of our main ways is that we have caregiver support groups. Mm -hmm. We have support groups for the individuals who are providing the care, but then we also have support groups for individuals living with the disease. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a hotline. This is a 1-800 number. It's a national number. It's, I can give it to you now if that's helpful, or do you want me to? Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's have it. Okay. So that hot, we have a 24 seven hotline that is 
person to buy individuals on the other end that can help connect you to services, have training, can listen to what's going on because caregiving is really stressful and trying to identify where those services and supports existing in your community can be stressful and can be difficult. And so the hotline number is 1-800-272-3900. And so we have that number and and when you call that number, you can give them some information, you get connected to your local chapter, which in Oklahoma is going to be us. We have um, offices in Oklahoma City and in Tulsa, and, but we provide services across the state. And so some of the other services that we provide, we do a lot of training and education. So we have, we have individuals on our care and support team that go out into the community, into care facilities, into schools, into a whole host of different organizations and provide education on the 10 signs of, of dementia, like how, what are your caregiver support options? And there's a whole list of, of different types of trainings and education opportunities that we provide. And then we also do care consultations. And so we have some individuals on staff where you can get connected and figure out like, how do we navigate through this? How do we navigate through the system? What is this gonna look like? What next steps do we need to make? Because I think one of the big things, and this is part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this topic is a lot of times when you're caregiving, you don't have time to prepare for caregiving. All of a sudden you are caregiving and you're kind of like, how do I, you know, how do I handle this? I always say that there's not a book on like what to expect when you're expecting for caregiving. There, there are some caregiving handbooks, do not get me wrong, but like, there's not necessarily always that lead time. Right. When it comes to caregiving. Right. And it can be a little paralyzing, I'm sure, to yes. suddenly find yourself in that situation. Yeah. And so we try to meet people where they are, whether it's in the community and kind of introducing them to the topic, familiarizing them maybe because they work with this work with a population or just, you know, want to learn more or could be working with the population like students. So like CNAs, nurses, that type of thing, doctors, or if it's caregiver at any point in that caregiving journey. Mm-hmm. to try to provide some wraparound services and, and support. Yeah. Backtracking just a little bit, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I would imagine most people are familiar with what Alzheimer's is on a general level, understanding that you are not a medical professional. <laughs> yes, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> but you do, I mean, you do a more up-close view, a more bird's-eye view than probably the general population with the line of work you're doing. Can you talk a little bit about what Alzheimer's looks like from the time leading up to diagnosis and through the disease progression? Yeah, so I'm going to rape slightly on this with the caveat that one of the things that we say in this work is that when you've seen one case of Alzheimer's or one case of a certain type of dementia, you've seen one case. And so that means that this disease can look very different depending on the individual and when when they receive that diagnosis, how, where they were in that diagnosis, and then what type they have. And then just, there's a lot of kind of additional factors involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so the research that I've read spends a lot of time talking about by the time somebody gets a diagnosis, Alzheimer's and that whole process of what's happening in your brain has already been happening for somewhere between 10 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's already there by the time we find out that it's there. Right. And so what Alzheimer's does is it just, it moves through these different parts of your brain and gradually like I always think of it as, and I've heard my advocates describe it as this, and I think this is a great visual of like, if you imagine a road 
and your memories and your ability to do things in your body's way of telling things how to move and, and breathe and all of that type of stuff goes along these roads, these neural pathways in your brain. And what Alzheimer's does, is it comes in and creates potholes. And so if you continue to stay, depending on the progression of the disease and that type of thing, if you continue to stay active and you can and you do brain activities and, and all of those things, sometimes you can create new ways around it mm-hmm. um, for, for a while. But eventually what starts happening is you're on this pathway and then it drops off, like you've dropped off into this, this hole. And that's sort of what happens along the way in the progression of the disease is it moves through these different parts of your brain and creates these like almost places where your, your thoughts and, and the neural pathways just drop off. Uh Um, And so what that starts to look like is forgetting things here and there, and you have some some cognitive decline and whether or not that is dementia is like when you start getting into a healthcare professional needs to go through that process. Some cognitive decline can kind of just happen, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have Alzheimer's or or dementia. Right. Because there's a naturally occurring cognitive decline with age anyway. Right. So there's this difference between. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, so that's like the first sign. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the way that that manifests itself can look a little bit different according to the individual. Some individuals go back to a certain point in their, in their life. Some individuals, it can impact their emotional regulation. It sort of depends on the phase that you're in, which is part of the reason why the education is really key, because I think something that can be surprising is you might be dealing with somebody one day and maybe they're having a certain type of day and then the next day you're dealing with them and they maybe are having a bad day and they're being a little combative and so figuring out how to maneuver through that and just some simple tips and tricks if you will can help diffuse or move certain scenarios along and help people move through their day effectively and the tips and tricks those are things that caregivers would learn in your organization yes that's that's very useful so jumping back forward a little bit, mm-hmm. talk a little about how this affects loved ones, caregivers. So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we talked about the almost the losing your loved one twice. Right. And so that is difficult on caregivers. But when you're kind of talking more broadly, mm-hmm. this is very stressful. So I think something that we see a lot of just in caregiving scenarios is usually when you're caregiving, you're caregiving for an, an individual or one that has a condition that has like a certain amount of stigma attached to it. And I think that that can be really difficult when you're a caregiver, because some of what happens in that scenario is that you can be hesitant to ask for help. You can be hesitant to disclose what's going on and you're not sure who's really going to understand. Right. And so I think that that plays a level in this. The other thing is, is depending on where your loved one is, you could end up providing pretty constant care. Uh So that's not the case for everyone, but sometimes, and especially as the disease progresses, you can end up providing almost round the clock care. Um, And so individuals sometimes will, you know, end up sleeping on the couch to make sure that their loved one isn't wandering in the middle of the night or something like that. And so you have higher rates of anxiety, higher rates of depression, higher rates of self-reported poor health. 
Right. And so it just takes a toll because you're trying to manage other things that need to happen in life, but then also managing a lot of medical appointments and coordination and trying to find resources and all of that type of thing. And then behaviors that you may or may not understand and, and your own experience with those behaviors. And this is not the person that I knew. And so it just provides a whole new layer of stress. Yeah, I'm sure it does. So for somebody who is a loved one of a caregiver, how would you suggest that they can be supportive of that caregiver? So I think one of the things that we try to talk about, some people pick up, some people don't, is respite care. Uh-huh. And so caregivers are going to vary greatly in how they want to provide care and how easy it is for them to take that time away from the loved one. And so I think the biggest thing as a loved one of a loved one that's providing care is being able to encourage them in taking that respite time and helping them either find and identify a source in a way that they can take that respite care, because I think that's the hardest thing for caregivers to do is take time away, but that's what they need is that time to take care of themselves and to have a moment of rest and time. Right. And so that is one of the biggest roles that somebody can take is finding ways that they can encourage or connect that loved one to respite. So I have in here, I was asking if you could share some resources for anyone involved in navigating Alzheimer's, but it sounds like Alzheimer's Association is that resource. We definitely try to play that role. (laughs) Sure. Can you share some more specific resources within your association? Yeah. So I think one of the big things is, so the 1-800 number, or you can directly call one of our offices Mm -hmm. uh, because we have care teams in both locations. And so I think the biggest thing is, is that care consultation component. If you're new to this and you want to figure out where do I go, it's that, that moment where you have the care consultation with one of our care coordinators. So we also have an entire resource page if you go to the Alzheimer's Association, because there's lots of different things that you can engage in there. And there's, there's a lot of information, which I, I think it depends on everyone. I'm a reader. And so I love being able to kind of go and get my head around some articles first, but we have a resource page that is significantly deep, but connecting to our offices and being able to sit down and have that care consultation and figure out what your next steps might want to be is probably the easiest way to start with everything and figure out like, what are my best, what are my best things and ways to plug in? Right, right, right. So you are one of our breakout session presenters at the Zero Symposium. Without giving too much away, can you talk a little (laughs) bit about your presentation? Yeah, so we've touched on it a little bit. It's not all about Alzheimer's. It is more broadly about caregiving because I think something that is, I think, I think there's many caregivers out there and we don't realize how many there are. Right. Approximately a little over half a million Oklahomans are providing caregiving services in some form or fashion, either to their children or to an adult relative. And they're sort of the unsung heroes mm-hmm. of what makes Oklahoma move forward. We have a lot of people that are able to stay in their communities because we've got people providing that care. And it's a lot of work. 
And so the presentation just touches on some of the, a little bit of what the research says, a little bit of where we are as a state on how we're trying to provide support to those individuals. And then just a few little touch points on what um, some of our other states around us have done. Because I think one of the things about caregiving is, and, and also just public policy work is we're never going to have a perfect solution to something. And so there's always opportunity for us to think about how can we add to this? How can we supplement this? What other opportunities do we have to provide further support or innovative support to meet the needs of the individuals that are carrying out this work? Right. I love that. Is there anything else that you'd like to share that I haven't asked yet? I don't think so, except I looked at the lineup for the symposium and I'm so excited because I think that the entire topic is that everybody's presenting on and like all of the different um, presentations that we all submitted to talk about were just so fascinating. And so I am so excited because there's such a breadth and depth of different discussions and so much opportunity to learn about what is happening in this state when it comes to how are we working with families on issues of mental health, on issues of trauma, on issues of anything that touches in that realm. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's my only thing is I'm actually really excited because it just really runs the gamut. <laughs> I agree with you. Our planning committee is <laughs> such a great job and I'm really looking forward yes. to it as well. I think it's going to be a lot of great information. Yeah. Oh, and I know, I can't believe this slipped my mind, but we are about ready to head into walk season. And so if anyone wants to learn more about Alzheimer's, walks are a great way to just come out and find out that info and like talk to people that have been through it. See, like we show up in force. So all of the association employees will be there. Our Tulsa walk is on September 17th. And then our Oklahoma City walk is on October 22nd. And we have other walks that are across the state, kind of depending on where people are, but you can find out more information about that. But it's a really big event. It's a really fun event and it's a great way for people to get introduced to the topic if they're like, I don't know if I want to get involved or right. or like do I need to know more about this type of thing. And it's a great way to kind of see if see if you do. Perfect. So they find that information on your website? Yes, they do. Great. Do you mind sharing the URL for your website? I can. So ours is it's ALZ.org slash Oklahoma. Perfect. Easy. Yes. Enough. All right. Yes. Thank you so much, Maggie. It was great to talk with you today. Thank you so much, Addie. It was great to talk to you too. All right. Well, we will see you at Sarah. Yep. Looking forward to it. All right. Same here. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Mental Health Download. I'm Addie McCaslin with Mental Health Association Oklahoma. 